CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. A lot to get to. It's Mailbag Wednesday, and I posted a thread to the front row message board on Bucknuts. We're going to hear from Bucknuts subscribers. They had a lot of good questions. We're going to get to that. Uh, before I do that, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors I've been telling you guys a lot about, AG1, the Daily Foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every morning. I have more energy than I ever have. I feel great in general. Well, I, I feel great in general when I'm not watching Bengals games, but but that's not AG1's fault. But seriously, I told you guys I was a little concerned about the taste because I'm very picky, uh, but it tastes good. I recommend it to you guys if you're looking for something to replace your multivitamin, your probiotic, uh, and anything else in one simple drink. And, and it just creates an easy habit every morning. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash bucknuts. That's drinkag1.com slash bucknuts. Check it out. All right, now let's check out some of these questions from Bucknut subscribers. Um, a lot of good stuff to get to. The first one is from 32 Buckeye Forever. Through four games, RD is allowing a very stingy eight and a half points per game. What do you think the final per game allowance will be at the end of the regular season? They've got some more questions, but that's the first question um, from this subscriber. What do I think the uh, points per game will be? Eight and a half right now, um, but their 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 stingiest tests are certainly ahead of them. Um, I mean, Notre Dame is very good, but you know I think Notre Dame's got a really good defense and a you know pretty good offense. They're going to be tested by other teams, um, including this week. I think Maryland's got a Maryland's got a good offense. Let's see, eight and a half right now. What I think it's going to be at the end of the season, I'll go with they're going to average giving up about twelve points a game, um, right around twelve points. Um, Will Ohio State, the next question is, will Ohio State win in the trenches versus Wisconsin, Penn State, and scum, as he writes? Um, well, that's the million-dollar question. I'd love to say yes. I don't know. I really don't know because I have not seen anything through the first four games that makes me go, oh, yeah, they're going to go there. They're just going to go up to Ann Arbor and just push Michigan around. I mean, I, I haven't seen that. Um, now, could things change? Yes, of course. Um you know, you don't want to rely on this, but in 2014, I remember thinking the offensive line did not look good at all. And then by the end of the year, they were playing really well. So we'll see. And I don't think the O-line's playing terrible. I think they've gotten a little too much blame, but it's still a concern. It was a concern all offseason. So um, will Ohio State win in the trenches versus those teams? 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, you know, I think, you know, the defensive line, I like, I love what I'm seeing out of um, Tyleek Williams. I think Mike Hall's, you know, going to continue to play more and play better. We're going to get to D line rotation in a little bit. We have questions about that. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I'd love to give you a hard answer there. I, I just have to say, I have to be honest and say, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I'm hopeful that they're going to win in the trenches against those teams, but I need to see it first. Next question again from 32 Buckeye. 32 Buckeye forever. Will we have a thousand yard running back this year? Yes, I think Trey will barely get there if he stays healthy. Like right now, he's averaging about 74 yards per game. If they play 13 games, which that's the minimum they'll play, because even if things go somewhat sideways, they're still going to go to a bowl game. Um, let's hope they play 15 games, right? But let's, let's say they play 13 games. Um, that puts him on pace for 958 yards. I'm going to say he barely gets over that, over 1,000, if he stays healthy. And, again, it might depend on how many games they play. If they go to the playoff, go to the Big Ten championship game, then go to the playoff, that's at least 14 games, and then as many as 15. So could depend on how many games they play. And the final question from this uh, subscriber, Buckeye, 32 Buckeye forever, will we have a 1,000-yard receiver? Well, they had two last year, but they had C.J. Stroud throw them the ball. Yeah, I think Marvin will get there. Marvin's on pace to get there. Um, he's averaging 84 yards a game. Um, three, if they play 13 games, they'll have a close to 1,100 yards. Marvin will get there if he stays healthy. Mecca might fall short. He's averaging 65 and a half right now. Receiving yards per game, that'd put him about 854 if he plays 13 games. So it might be one of those things where if they, um, it might be, Mecca might come down to how many games they play. But the question was, Will we have a 1,000-yard running back? I'll say yes. Will we have a 1,000-yard receiver? I'll say yes, but not two. It's just not as – I mean, it's just not as uh, nearly as explosive of a passing attack, passing attack this year. I know I'm not breaking news to you guys there. This is not the same team as last year, but they're better defensively. So, we'll see. All right, next question from Gobi. Hey, Dave, does there appear to be a confidence that we can get the run blocking improved? What's the vibe at the WAC? I expect that we'll run well against Maryland. Yeah, that's the thing. I bet that's the thing. They're going to have games like I bet this week they will run the ball well against Maryland. Now, Maryland's more stout up front than they have been. A lot of transfers. They have a transfer that's three of their starters up front of their four transfers. Two from big-time big programs, Tennessee, Florida State, um, and one from the FCS level. They're a little more stout than they have been. But I agree. I think in a game like this, Ohio State's going to run the ball well. And then people are going to be like, oh, okay, everything's cool. Um, then they'll probably run the ball. Well, who knows? I, you shouldn't have said that. Anytime they go to ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, it can be tricky, right? Even if it's a shaky Purdue team. But I still think they're going to run the ball well against uh, Purdue. Um, and then, you know, does that mean everything's going to be fixed? No, we won't know until Penn State and then Wisconsin and then, of course, team up north. Um, does there appear to be confidence? I mean, yeah, if you talk to Justin Fry, he always seems confident. But as I said on Monday's show um, – with Dan Rubin. I mean, the jury is still out on Justin Fry, both as an offensive line coach, a run game coordinator, and a recruiter. I believe in him in all of those areas, but this is on him and Ryan Day. But I mean, this is Justin Fry's like forte. He's the O-line coach. He's the run game coordinator. Um, he's not the offensive coordinator. That's Brian Hartline. Um, but he's the run game coordinator and the O-line coach. So, and he, you know, they're not paying him 15 bucks an hour. Like he's, he's making a million dollars a year. So uh, with those titles and that type of cash flowing in, it really doesn't even matter about the money. It's it's just you're the run game coordinator and the O-line coach at Ohio State. Um, the standard is high. 
Now, they lost three guys of the draft. Um, they didn't recruit all that great before he got there. Um, so, but still, this is his second year. Let's go. Um, jury is still out there. I don't know. I mean, so, yeah, they seem confident if you talk to them. But I don't know if I'm confident. Next one from Dave Bow 21 Well, everyone wants us to do the Philly push and short yardage, do you think with a redshirt freshman at center, Carson Hinsman, might that not be the main strength? Might not he have the man strength yet for the push needed? Also, maybe Kyle McCord doesn't have the lower body strength of a, J, of a Jalen Hurts. How much more of the playbook does Day trust Kyle McCord with now that he has proven himself? Okay, two questions there. Let's get to the quarterback sneak question. Yeah, I mean, I've been guilty of it too, saying just do what the, the Eagles do, you know. But Jalen Hurts is – you know, a powerful dude. He's not even that, he's not even that, doesn't even weigh that much more than Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord's actually, I think, an inch taller. McCord's 6'3, 215. I think Hertz is about 6'2, 220, 225. But Hertz is definitely sturdier than McCord. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I still think they need to do quarterback sneaks more than what they are, which in the Notre Dame game was never. I asked Ryan Day about this yesterday, as some of you might know. You know, and it's it's not a gimme. Ohio State stopped Notre Dame when they tried to do a quarterback sneak. Um, my vibe from what Coach Day's answer was, I don't think he trusts, you know, Kyle McCord, maybe in Hinsman as well, just yet quite yet to do that. First-year center, first-year quarterback as far as starting. Uh, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it because he went out of his way to talk about how powerful Justin Fields was and this and that. And, uh, and keep in mind, J Jay Fields had a big center, veteran center with him and, and Josh Myers. Um, Myers was a third year sophomore, the first year he started, and then was a fourth year junior, his, uh, second and final year that he started both years with Justin Fields and, and Josh Myers, big dude, Carson Hinsman. I think I've been saying, I don't think people are talking about him enough. He's been really good. He's stout, but he, you know, for a redshirt freshman, I'm not saying Carson Hinsman is one of the best centers in the country this year. I, th I can see him getting there in the future though. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know. I don't know. I, I agree with the sentiment of the question, even though it's a question. It kind of is a leading question, but I agree with it that, you know, Ryan Day probably doesn't trust the combination of McCord and Hinsman yet. And he seemed to not talk. I asked him if he thought, you know, Kyle McCord is pretty stout at 6'3", 215. He kind of gave it. Yeah, he is. He gave a real short answer. You know, what's he going to say? Like, no, he's he's really weak. But if he gave like a longer answer, oh, yeah, Kyle, you know, we, you know, he got oh, definitely, you know, it wasn't like that at all. It kind of, kind of made me think, huh, it kind of was like a yes that was maybe a, I'm not sure. And he did say, we, we kind of don't know yet because he hasn't done it in games yet and they can't really practice it because the quarterbacks aren't live. So, you know, I, I think day was forthcoming, you know, in uh, the more I think about that, they just don't know yet with Kyle McCord, but he is six, three, two So try it sometimes. Maybe it'll work. Especially, I keep saying this, especially for a team that's already struggling in short yardage. It's not like they can say, well, you know, we don't need to do it because we're so successful in short yardage. It's the exact opposite. They're, that's the number one struggle right now in offense is short yardage. How about mixing some QB sneaks? It can't hurt. It can only help, in my opinion. Second part of his question, Dave Bow 21 how much more of the playbook does Dave trust Kyle McCord with now that he has proven himself? Probably not all that much. I still think uh, Dave's calling all the plays, and uh, maybe Kyle has, you know, a little bit of freedom up there. I don't know if he can just flat out change the play. I think there's times, obviously, he can, there's a, you know, depending on what the defense does, or he has the option of, you know, 
you're switching to a run, they'll have maybe two plays called a run play and a pass play, or obviously, you know, when they do or do a zone read, um, you know, maybe he can decide which side to go to, depending on how what the defense looks like, things like that. But I don't know if he's got that much freedom. I'd be shocked if he's got freedom just to go up there and be like, not. I know you're not acting like he's Peyton Manning, but um, I'd be I'd be shocked if he's got that much freedom. Still, I mean, this will be his sixth start of his career, fifth this year. And I don't even think C.J. Stroud had like a lot of freedom even last year. Certainly more than what Kyle does this year so far. But I don't think C.J. last year had a ton of freedom. It's a good question, though. All right, next one from Jeff, 2011. Jeff, Jeff, 2011. Do I think this is the game we need to see a substantial jump in McCord's play? He means quicker and correct reads, more accuracy and better touch in order to be prepared for Penn State. He's saying unleash the offense, so to speak. Or if it's only a minimal jump, do I think we're going to need a huge game from our defense to go toe-to-toe with them? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, this is – I look at Ohio State this year, and and the offense is good, and it can be good against good defenses. But we might see it be more like average against good defenses. But we're seeing an Ohio State team that I think might have the best defense in the country, at least one of the best. So – yeah, I think in big games, not every game is going to be like Notre Dame where it's going to go down to the last play, but, um, you know, hopefully, um, unless they win them all. But um, seriously, I think it's definitely going to be more of a defensive feel this year. There's just no doubt about it in my mind. This is a an Ohio State team that has an elite defense and a decent offense for their standards. We're so used to Ohio State under Ryan Day, top five offense every year. Um, but the only time they've had a good defense was 2019. Well, uh, and I don't know if this defense is as good as 2019. That 2019 was fantastic because they were good on both sides of the ball. Great on both sides of the ball. Still one of the best Ohio State teams I've seen was 2019. I'm talking ever that I've seen. 2019 was, was fantastic. Um, but they don't need to be that good this year. There's not a 2019 LSU out there. We've talked about this. There's not a 2019 Ohio State out there. There's not an elite team out there. Georgia's number one because they're defending two-time defending champs. They don't look that good. Michigan looked good last week. They haven't played anybody. They're number two. Ohio State's right there at number four. I mean, Texas looks good, but there's not an elite team out there. Ohio State just, yeah, I think they're going to have to beat teams like Penn State mostly with their defense, you know. Pressure Drew Aller, force him into mistakes, um, and then take care of business offensively, but you're not going to be scoring 40 points a game this year against teams like that. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to beat teams like Penn State and Michigan with their defense mostly. They're going to have to – it's gonna, be, it's gonna be more low scoring than what we're what we've been accustomed to in the day era. Second question from Jeff. Am I worried that Knowles is making a mistake by overplaying the linebackers? Same with Larry Johnson and the and the D line and the defensive ends. I get the feeling this is the game we start to see more of a potent offense where we fit in the bigger picture almost half through the regular season and opportunities to grow and get better are shrinking. That's true. I mean, football seasons go fast. That's why every game is so important. Yeah, they're already a third of the way through the regular season. It's crazy. Um, uh, do I think Knowles is making a mistake by overplaying the linebackers? I don't know. I mean, I look at what they what good NFL teams do. I mean, look, think about your favorite NFL team. Are they rotating their middle linebacker if they think they have a good middle linebacker? No. I look at my team, like the Cincinnati Bengals, like Logan Wilson's out there the entire game. Name your favorite NFL team. Do they have a good middle linebacker? He's out there the whole game. Um, I don't mind Tommy being out there. Now, if Tommy's getting tired, that's different. And they are rotating at the other spot. 
you know, Steele struggled a little bit against Notre Dame. They put Cody Simon in there and he played well. And Tommy did struggle against Notre Dame. That's the first time I've seen Tommy struggle in a long time. Uh, I'm not worried about Tommy. I think that was a one-off, but um, against a really, really big and good offensive line. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm not worried about it. I don't, I don't think they're, they're not rotating enough at linebacker. Um, and then defensive line. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, we have another question we're going to get to in a moment. Um, yeah. I think they might've uh, overcorrected a little bit at defensive end. They're rotating at D tackle, but I like what they're doing at D tackle or Tyler Williams is playing a lot more. I'd like to see Mike Hall play even more. Um, then Ty Hamilton's getting a third amount of snaps. Ty Hamilton actually started the last game, but I think Mike Hall actually had more snaps. It was close, but Ty Leak's getting the most snaps. And I like that. I think it should go Ty Leak, Mike Hall, and then Ty Hamilton's going to be the third guy. And then I don't, I'm, if, as long as they stay fresh, I'm okay with just those three guys, you know, so they are rotating there. Um, they do have other guys they could rotate in, you know, like Jaden McKenzie's getting a little bit of run. Hero Canoe and Taiwan Malone didn't play in this last game. Um, cause it was so close, but they played a little bit, but those top three D tackles are going to play. I was surprised at defensive end that, that they, that JT and, uh, and Sawyer played the entire game. I really was. I was very surprised to see that. I thought they'd at least sprinkle in Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry and Mitchell Melton. Um, especially for Jack Sawyer. I mean, at least JT, JT was definitely fresh late. He made those the two, his two best plays of the game were the final drive. So JT didn't get worn down. So I guess I'm okay with JT playing the um, the entire game. All right. I'm going to get to more of Bucknut subscribers' questions in just a moment. Stick with me. Got more questions to get to. I want to let you know about another one of our great sponsors I've been telling you guys about. Jonathan Green Grass Seed. Jonathan Green Grass Seed. And they have a message for you guys and a great deal. Hey there, Buckeye fans. It's fall, which means two things. It's football season, and it is lawn care season. Fall is the best time to overseed your lawn, so if you haven't already, now is the perfect time. We recommend Jonathan Green Black Beauty Grass Seed because it's naturally dark green in color, has roots that can grow up to four feet deep, and is super drought tolerant. With over 130 years of experience, Jonathan Green is a name you can trust for quality lawn care. They, say only, they sell only the best lawn products on the market. And here's the best part, Buckeye fans. They're offering you 10% off your order on jonathangreen.com. So head on over there now and use code BUCKNUTS10 at checkout. Plus, planting Jonathan Green grass seed is easy. Just spread it on your lawn, water it, and watch it grow. It's that simple. Within just a few weeks, you'll see thick, lush, green grass. That's the envy of your neighborhood. My neighbor across the street, Phil, um, big Buckeye fan, avid listener of the show, his wife, Terry, also avid listener of the show uh, because Phil always has it on. So she's forced to listen to it. I'm, I'm, I'm the envy of, of Phil, I think, now because of Jonathan Green grass seed. So say goodbye to bare spots and hello to a lawn that's the talk of the town. Visit jonathangreen.com and use coupon code BUCKNUTS10 to get 10% off your order of grass seed, lawn fertilizers, weed controls, and more. Jonathan Green, quality lawns since 1881. There you go. All right. Back to the questions. Degish. Again, this is piggybacking on the on the previous question. I think you guys posted about the same time. I kind of got into this, but I'll get into it again. Degish. Is it me or are the Buckeyes overcorrecting from last year too much? LJ, go, LJ goes from always rotating to JT and Jack playing the entire Notre Dame game. 
Knowles goes from blitz happy to playing mostly zone in their first big game. Instead of mixing things up in a timely, smartly fashion, it seems they are terrified of what happened last season. He goes on to say, I think the depth on the D-line is much better than last season, and guys like Curry, Jackson, and Milton deserve some run in big games. Yeah, I think I pretty much just answered your question, my friend, but I'll get into it again. Um, I agree with you. I mean, to an extent, I again, I'm okay with JT playing a lot. Um, I, you know, I maybe not the whole game, but if he's fresh, I'm, I'm fine with JT playing the whole game. He is their best defensive end. I do like Curry. I do like Jackson. I do like Melton, but Tui Moloau is their best defensive end. Sawyer was solid against Notre Dame. I don't know what he did to, to earn the entire game. That's the guy I probably would rotate in. I put JT down the left side. He's, he tends to do better on the left side. Look at the Penn State game last year when they moved him to the left side. That's when they started dominating. He just does better on the left side. And then I'd rotate. I'd start Sawyer, but I'd rotate those other guys in there. And then, yeah, I, I agree with you. It did seem in the Notre Dame game that, that they, they were, last year was in their head on that 96-yard drive. Then again, they only gave up 14 points, though. Um, so... I'm not down on the defense at all, but um, yeah, Knowles has definitely uh, backed off the throttle this year. He just needs to mix it up. Last year, maybe he was too, you know, too much pedal to the metal. Maybe this year he's he's backed off. I'm not even gonna say he's backed off too much. Overall, the defense has been really good, so can't complain about eight and a half points a game. But um, there you go. Next question, Dad Man five thirty three. He says, Dave, there have been a very limited number of touches for the running backs other than Henderson and Chip. Any word on the mindset of the other three? I don't know. I'm not sure about the mindset of the other three. Um, I will say this. Well, I can tell you this. Um, I had a source tell me that basically it was Mayan, a um, little bit in the doghouse, a little bit overweight, nothing that they're too concerned with. But And Mayan's not mad at anybody. He knows that he's. they have a weight, certain weight. They're not supposed to go over every player who has to watch their weight. They have a certain number they can't hit or they're in the doghouse automatically. Mayan and Tony Alford are close. I mean, Tony's like a father figure to Mayan. Um, so Mayan's not mad at anybody other than maybe himself. And um, he had the, uh, you know, the bye week to maybe um, sometimes on the bye week, you maybe you can like, you know, sit around and, and, and uh, eat too much. Hopefully Mayan went the other way, but um, yeah, it's nothing crazy. Um, He's not in the doghouse to the extent where he's not playing at all. He still played against Notre Dame. He just needs to shed some pounds. I wasn't told how many. I was told that's why he's not playing very much. He's in the doghouse for being a little overweight. So there you go. Dallin Hayden, I think they're trying to redshirt him. Because the plan last year was to redshirt him, and they had every running back on the team gets hurt, so they couldn't redshirt him. Um, and Evan Pryor, um, I, you know, I think he understands coming off that serious knee injury. They want to make sure that Evan Pryor stays healthy. That way, if they do get hit by injuries again at running back, they have Evan Pryor ready. They don't feel like they need to rush him back. He's played a little bit because right now everybody's healthy, you know? And that's another thing. It's another reason the other guys aren't playing much is because Travion's healthy and playing well. He played really well against Notre Dame. Um, and Chip's playing well. So you get your top two backs are healthy and playing well. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up here with Fox R 2001. Longtime subscriber, longtime listener. Fox R 2001. When the CFP first went into being, winning your conference and strength of schedule seemed to be the most important factors with us making the playoff last year and scum making it two years in a row with weak non-conference schedules. 
Both of those factors seem to be less important, at least for teams in the SEC and Big Ten. How important do you think strength of schedule is for this year's playoff selection, with there being 12 teams selected starting next year? How important is strength of schedule going to be? All right, let's talk about this year. It's interesting. Um, now that you have the Notre Dame game in the bag, even though it was a nail-biter, that's huge for Ohio State. Why? It gives them margin of error. If Ohio State, God forbid, is sitting there at 11-1 and one with a close loss to Michigan, I hate to even say it. It makes me want to puke. I think they're going to beat Michigan this year, but stick with me. They're sitting there at 11-1. and one. They've got wins at Notre Dame. Let's say Notre Dame stays in the top 10. They've got wins at a top 10 Notre Dame. They got they have a win against a let's say Penn State stays in the top 10. They've got a win over Penn State. Got a win over Wisconsin, everybody else they've beat. And their one loss is a close loss at undefeated Michigan. 11 and 1 Ohio State probably gets in. They got in last year. That doesn't mean they guaranteed they would be guaranteed to get in 14 playoff, but that's where strength of schedule is would be big this year. Now, if Ohio State goes 12 and 0, it doesn't really matter other than I guess seeding if another team is undefeated or 13 and 0. Are they going to be number one or number two? And seeding is important in the CFP, as we've learned. So strength of schedule is important, whether you want to look at it just making the CFP and then seeding. Okay, so it is important. We don't know how important it's going to be, but it's certainly important on both of those um, factors. 12 teams. It's still going to be important because of seeding. I'm not really worried about Ohio State. I mean, my, you'd have to really fall. When's the last time Ohio State wasn't even ranked in the top 12? after the regular season or after, you know, championship Saturday. It's been a while since they've been out, 2011 probably. Um, I don't know. They're just consistently in the top 12. But because of seeding, it'll be important. So um, I still like that Ohio State's going to have the marquee non-conference games. Um, Ohio State's a top five brand. They should be doing that. I I don't care what Notre Dame or what Michigan's doing. Um, I mean – in fact, I, I think that it's ridiculous how easy their schedule is, their non-conference schedule. You can't control your Big Ten schedule, and that's going to get tougher. Um, so that, you know, you add in like four legit teams, or depending on what you think of UCLA, three legit teams in UCLA. Although UCLA's legit last year and this year, Chip Kelly's got them at least being like decent. Um, so yeah, it'll still be important for seeding. And seeding will be important with 12 teams. So there you go. All right, well, thank you guys for joining me on this uh, early edition of the Bucknuts Morning 5. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks to all the questions from Bucknuts subscribers. Some great questions there. Um, Really appreciate you guys joining me. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.